Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another Bestow Curse character intro. I'm your GM, Griffin, and I'm joined today by the illustrious Steve Strapple. Illustrious! So yeah. good to be back, man! Thanks for joining me today, man. Of course. Anytime. Well, you are one of the players on the Bestow Curse podcast, and I think our listeners deserve to know who you are. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Sure. So my name is Steven Strapple. I go by Steve or Steven pretty interchangeably. I am originally from Chicago, went to school in Indiana, and like a lot of the folks on this show and just in our general friend group, found my way to Columbus, Ohio through work. Been working at the same company the entire time I've been here, been loving it. It's been good. Well, speaking of that company, what's your day job? So I am in supply chain. Okay. Which basically means I've bounced between a couple different roles. I have operations management experience. I've spent several years in global trade compliance. So reading laws and regulation and following the rules, which is uh, very conducive to uh, Pathfinder. So you're a real, real life rules lawyer. Kind of. I was for several yeah. years. And most recently, within the last few months, I had a job change. And now I head up the supply chain visibility department at my company, which basically means that I have a small team of individuals who is who are responsible for oversight of everything in the pipeline. So if an ocean container shows up two days late in a port, I know about it. If a plane lands two days early, I know about it. It's really cool. It's a lot of data, a lot of reporting, um, lots of exception management, and certainly a challenge, but a lot of fun. Well, it sounds nerdy in a different way than probably our listeners are. Hell yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's your gaming experience? This is a gaming podcast. Sure. So love video games, love board games, all that kind of stuff. If we're talking TTRPG specific, I started TTRPGs with my really, really good buddy Tim in college when we went to IU together we had a very very short stint where we were playing some homebrew Star Wars uh, <laughs> TTRPG I don't even remember what system it was all I remember is there was a very memorable moment where my buddy Chris um, not the Chris you were already introduced to different dude who played a Wookiee called Tupaka Tupaka nice. uh, hopped in a land speeder and ran over the final boss. It was a total blast. We had no idea what we were doing. I was convinced that as long as I hit somebody with a lightsaber, they should be dead. Um, <laughs> really didn't understand TTRPGs, but had so much fun and then kind of took a little bit of a hiatus until I met this crew here. Tim also ended up coming to Columbus and we were roommates together. We met our friends Brooks and Emily, played Rise of the Rune Lords together, a classic Paizo first adventure, uh, for a 1E adventure. Since then, I've played Starfinder. I've been a featured cast member on the Hideous Laughter podcast. Oh, wow, uh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Lots and lots of gaming experience as a player. A pretty minimal gaming experience as a GM, but I'm dipping my toes in the water there. Absolutely. All right. I like it. Do you have any other hobbies outside of gaming? Yeah, I actually do. So I would just say in general, I have a what some would probably consider an unhealthy fandom for the Star Wars franchise. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it borders on that. All the movies, all the books, all the comics, all that fun stuff. So I'm super obsessed with it. But, you know, that keeps me sane. In general, though, I'm a huge cinemaphile. So I'm a huge, huge sci-fi fan. I 
love horror and weirdly almost over anything i love bad movies so just watching a movie that has serious flaws or plot holes or whatever i just like to have a couple beers kick back with some of my friends relax and laugh at it it's a really good time besides that I, I build some Legos. You are fun. a Lego guy. Yeah. Between Legos and Star Wars, your apartment is almost full. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, there's not a lot of space left in there. But I like to go hiking. I go to concerts. I love pop punk, metal, emo music. And I am a drummer, but haven't drummed in a long time. Just because I do live in an apartment, like you said, that's full of Legos and Star Wars shit. And it would be pretty rude to uh, start pounding away on a drum set when I <laughs> share like five walls with other people. I'm just waiting for our guest room to have a drum set in it at some point. <laughs> it should. It'd be great. <laughs> well, before we get to your character, I have one more thing I gotta ask. I need a fun fact from you, bud. This is the icebreaker episode. Yeah, so this is the question that I struggled with the most out of all the questions that I see on the agenda here. Like yourself, I work for a fashion retailer, and I think I have a personal brand, Griffin. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Whether I'm at work, whether I'm at home, whether I'm playing with you guys, or just at play in general, I'm a, I'm a ripped jeans and t-shirt guy. You are. Yeah, yep. that's fair. Lot, lots of graphic tees, and I was thinking, and I have two full dressers and half a walk-in closet devoted specifically just to graphic tees. That's more than I thought, but now when I think back... You hardly ever duplicate a shirt yep. on the show. So it makes sense. I think if I just wore all of my t-shirts consecutively one a day, I might break a year without repeating something. I, would, I think it would be close. Maybe I wouldn't, but I know I could at least get close if not break it. And that's not including all the shirts I have back home with my parents. So... Just a storage locker full of shirts at your parents' house. It's too much. I never want to give any of them away because although I keep a tidy apartment for that specific thing, I'm a huge pack rat. And uh, hey, you know what? Check out our socials and you'll see me in a new t-shirt every time. I promise. Yeah, yeah, you will. I want to start talking about your character now. But before I do, I'm going to start playing some music. Some music I actually had commissioned as a sort of theme song for your character. Ooh. Ooh, okay, okay. So this is... I love this. The theme song for who? Vicaris Relby. Uh, But that name might be a little bit of a mouthful to some, so you could just call him Vec. Call him Vec. What's Vec look like? So Vec is a human, like myself. I cast him as Robert Pattinson. He's a very attractive uh, mid-twenties gentleman. He's got floppy long hair. He likes to wear a kind of beat up Henley, but over that he's got this army jacket looking thing that has the symbol of Aridin stitched on the left bicep. He's got traveling boots on, crossbow slung over his back. He's always got that rakish, roguish grin. We're playing Pathfinder 2nd Edition, and the basics of character creation are often called the ABCs, the ancestry, background, and class of a character. What is Vex ABC? All right, so if we're starting with ancestry, like I said, he is human, but I do have a versatile heritage thrown in the mix, and maybe I should have mentioned something like this in the appearance. He does look human with one 
very specific exception. He has bright blue eyes. And I'm not talking just, you know, like a normal human being from like Scandinavia or whatever has got blue eyes. He's got like the White Walker Game of Thrones blue. Yeah. So icy blue all the way through that almost glow, but don't. What does that mean? So he has some sort of history in his bloodline, a connection to what are called archons. They're big divine creatures who are similar to angels, but a little bit more lawful. They're they're not angels. How exactly that trickled into his bloodline? I think that remains to be seen. That's ancestry, right? I think I covered That's everything. Ancestry. Yeah. How about background? Background. My character has the Blessed One background. So the Blessed One background basically means that you have some sort of divine touch or connection that is associated with your past and it has shaped who you are. What it gives you is some sort of lore skill. It gives you a bump to an ability score and it also gives you access to the cantrip guidance. Oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know it just, gave you a cantrip. That's awesome. It, it does. And I really like that about that because in 2E, cantrips are weirdly powerful. Yeah, I they really scale. Like them. They yeah. scale. They're awesome. And how about class? I think this is the, the juiciest tidbit. Oh, it sure is. So the class I chose is Oracle. Rewind back a second to that background. What ability score bump did I pick? Charisma, of course, because that is the key casting ability score of an oracle. What is an oracle? An oracle is basically some sort of person or creature or humanoid or what have you that has an unexplicable connection to some sort of difficult to encapsulate power. And I understand that sounds very vague, but that means that an Oracle gets a lot of power that comes at a cost to them. A little bit of cost balance. They can sling spells, but it might do them damage or have some sort of drawback for them. And that power can come from a variety of different sources, whether that's one specific God, a pantheon of gods, Weirdly enough, something like a concept or a in a great elder one, an older one. It's a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're called mysteries. Absolutely. I want to know what mystery you picked and then how does Vec contribute to the party? Yes. So I picked the mystery of life. And the reason being is because I wanted to be this party's healer. I played support classes before. But as we went around the table deciding our classes, it just kind of stood out to me. I was reading through the Guide to Corvosa, the original old 1E supplement, and I was looking for character inspiration, and there were a lot of tie-ins across this city to the god that some of you may be familiar with, Aridin, who, at time of Curse of the Crimson Throne, is actually dead he was a god who was divine and disappeared or was defeated and people don't really know why or how and i wanted to play into some of those things that are happening around town and these connections to this god that was so instrumental in the society that is now gone and i thought wow what a really cool combination to be reverent of of a dead god and also be getting your power from somewhere you don't quite understand. 
as an oracle. Having that weird connection, I think, plays really well into giving healing energy to others because Vec himself doesn't really know where it comes from. He may worship and revere Aridin, but he's a, he's not a dumb character. He knows that Aridin's dead and can't give him any power. So where is it coming from? And is there a cost to him or to the people that are receiving his healing? He doesn't know that. And that bothers him quite a bit and I think is going to be a good basis for some really interesting character development because he's going to be dealing out this healing and feeling some immediate effects. But are there bigger consequences out there in the future? He's just going to have to find out. So how does he fit into the party? What does he do? He is going to be slinging some spells, but mostly he is going to be doing a couple different things. He is going to be uh, healing folks. He is going to be doing some small buffing, and he is going to be doing some small debuffing. But okay. a little demoralized with that high charisma. What are you uh, most excited for with him? So something we haven't really touched on yet is the fact that Vec has some very deep connections with the city and some specific folks inside that city that are not player characters. Unlike some of the other adventures that we've played, this adventure takes place mostly within one setting. So Vec is going to have an opportunity to develop these relationships that have pre-existed before this campaign yeah. for many years. And if he survives, will likely exist after this campaign. So living this, or rather playing through this one little segment of this character's life and having to keep in mind that this is a living character in a living society has me really excited. I, I can flex role-playing muscles that I don't have the opportunity to stretch in different adventure paths and situations. I, my next question's kind of for you mm-hmm. in in regards to this character. Do you, do you normally play support characters? And spitballing off of that, what about playing a healer appeals to you? I would say I... I normally play the characters that I haven't played before. So if I've recently played a sword and board fighter, the next thing I'm going to play is probably an arcane caster. And if the last thing I played is an arcane caster, the next thing I'm probably going to play is some sort of bard or something. I like to keep it fresh as I'm rotating between different campaigns and settings and characters and that kind of stuff. I have played support characters before. In fact, um, I took a cleric up to level 17 in Rise of the Rune Lords and really loved it. In a, a different show, I am playing a Starfinder mystic that has the medic archetype. So I am kind of a healer right now in something else as well. But I like being reliable. Okay. <laughs> I like other folks coming to me and needing things and then feeling validated when I'm able to give those things out. So I'm hoping that I get to experience that a little bit with Vec as well, just to be somebody that other people can rely on and, you know, deliver. Well, it remains to be seen. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> so we touched on it a little bit, but oracles have curses and yours is a very interesting one. How does your curse affect your character both mechanically and in his day-to-day? 
Yes. So the curse that I have is the curse of life, which on the surface doesn't sound like much curse, curse. to be alive. Oh yeah. How <laughs> terrible, right? Well, really what this is, is a constant pouring of positive energy through this character. So if he gets a small cut that doesn't do hit point damage or whatever, that cut heals immediately. His hair grows really fast. The, Basically, all of the things about his body reproduce really fast. Yeah, he's kind of like a reduced version of Wolverine. Almost. He's kind just kind of, like, yeah, and, and it keeps him like I don't know, without any scars, and mm-hmm. he he looks pretty, and yeah. and that's I I really love that with an oracle that is keyed off of charisma because. You're going to be sexy and you're always going to look sexy. And of course, I, I cast Robert Pattinson, who's a bombshell. Attractive a man. man, yes. Abs- absolutely. In that, I, I kind of like it because charisma can be that you're sexy or that you just have really good control over yourself and your emotions and stuff. But I'm kind of leaning more into the sexy thing. Just have fun with it. Um, however, what does this mean mechanically? It means that Vec when he starts casting some of his focus spells, some of the spells that are intrinsically tied to his curse, it advances his curse. So at first, he's going to be able to cast these spells that help people, but at a little bit of a cost to himself, a little bit of a penalty to if he tried to heal himself or somebody else tried to heal him. As that progresses, it will become more and more difficult for Vec to heal himself or other people to heal him, but his healing will get more and more powerful. If he progresses to a much later level of, of character development, he'll, he's going to get to a point where when he starts throwing out his higher level spells, he will not be able to stop the healing energy that flows through him. So he's going to cast a high level spell and that will automatically trigger big burst heal spells around him just because the raw power flowing through him, enabling his spells also just has this runoff, this excess, this exhaust maybe of healing energy that he just can't stop. He's like a malfunctioning transformer if the electricity was healing energy. That's a perfect analogy, yes. Well, your character is, as the listeners will soon find out, very ingrained in Old Corvosa. What about that specific part of town interests you as a player? So, like I mentioned earlier, I read through all of the Corvosa guide to get ready for this campaign. And this is before I had made any decisions about class, uh, ancestry, background, even a character concept. And Old Corvosa really stood out to me because I find impoverished neighborhoods fascinating. That might sound weird, but I spent spent three years when I was living up in Chicago as a property surveyor. And I went all over the city. And every time that I had a job that was out in the suburbs or out in a really rich part of town. It's okay. I'm seeing a pretty house. Fine. It's, it is what it is. But whenever we were in the the real poor neighborhoods, the, the rougher parts of the city, obviously there's some inherent danger there, but there's also an excitement. There's people that are, are proud. They're trying to make their neighborhoods better. You see big, beautiful murals on walls and in tunnels 
uh, and on bus stops that you never see in a rich neighborhood. You see awesome graffiti. You see this really exciting outpouring of life. People that are proud of who they are and want to make the people around them better that you don't really get anywhere else because poverty in a community unfortunately brings people together. And that's what I'm really excited about this campaign. I I think I mentioned before that I want to make those NPC connections. I want to have those. I want to grow those. I want to see things get better and improve and, and watch cool societal change happen. So Old Corvosa was it for me. It's a rundown part of town that used to be great and could be if some really important things happen to it and people take initiative and band together and stand up together. And that's what I want to see. And that's what I'm excited for. I love it. I have one more question for you. Sure. Is Vex single? Oh, oh boy. Um, I Let me, let me say that um, just... I, I pull a lot of myself when I am creating a character. So, so yes, uh, aggressively so. <laughs> aggressively so. Uh, but but moreover, how do you feel about romance for this character? I'm open to it. So uh, actually, the the two of us in our in our role playing, whether it's GM player or the two of us playing together, we've had a couple things where our characters have had romance. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. why I brought it up to you. In the in the network, even in the in Hideous Laughter Productions, we have had romances between NPCs of mine and characters of yours. So I just wanted to know if it was a possibility for uh, for the sexy oracle. Are you asking me out? I don't know. In player? I don't know. Is, is that what this is? Imply what you will. <laughs> no, I I I'm I'm open to it like I mean, like I said, what I'm excited most for in this campaign is building relationships with NPCs. If one of those relationships is romantic, well, hey, at least Vex getting some, you know what I'm saying? There you go. (laughs) Well, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything else you want to say to the listeners? You know what? All I want to say is give us a shot because we're putting our hearts and souls into this thing. We are going already in the pre-production. I have had more fun with this than almost anything else I've done in my life recently. So bear with it. I'm so excited for what you're going to see in those first three episodes and beyond. I can't wait to share this with you all. Well, thank you so much for listening. Folks, if you want to hear the next character introduction, I will be interviewing Haley on May 30th. Remember that the first three episodes will release on June 4th. We'll see you next time.